0: Good morning, International Church of Prague. Thank you so much for joining with us today. We're continuing our Pathway series where we're learning how to express adoration for who God is and for all that He has done. Our pathway today will again look at Psalm 103, a psalm of praise that helps us understand what it means to bless God Himself. There's a progression of worship in the psalm that parallels our growth In learning to love God for all that He is. And learning to love Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, everything that is within us. Because you see, worship is the natural outgrowth of love for God. Love must be expressed. That's part of its character, part of its nature. And we express our love for God in worship. It expresses our gratitude for God and His blessings. And our hearts cry for His being, for who He is personally here's how david puts it in psalm 103 verse 1 bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name this incredible psalm is written by david and it is pure praise in these words we see david enjoying god for who he is The psalmist has entered into the presence of the living and holy God, and he is overcome with his greatness, with his glory. What's so beautiful about this psalm is that it contains no requests, no complaints, simply worship of God. It is beautiful and pure, and it has much to teach us about expressing our love for God in worship. I divide the psalm into four different sections that parallels ways that we grow in intimacy in learning to bless God, to express our heart back towards him. And the first part of it, we see in verses 1 through 5, is an appreciation for God's gifts. Secondly, in verses 6 through 12, we see an admiration of God's character and grace. And then thirdly, there's an awe concerning God's love and his greatness, verses 13 through 21. And then finally, in the last three verses, 19 through 22, there's an adoration of God's person. I believe that these four stages of worship lead us into a deeper and deeper relationship with the Lord and learning how to bless Him. They build upon one another, and working together, they enable us to summit into the very presence of God Himself, to enjoy Him for who He is, and to bask in the greatness of His glory. So how do we bless the Lord? How do we live out this verse that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Well, last week we looked at the first two steps. We looked, first of all, at an appreciation for God's goodness, for His gifts. And I encourage you to meditate on the verses that we see there and write out some some of God's blessings yourself. Maybe write them on the mirror uh, in your bathroom with a dry erase marker. We give thanks to the Lord in appreciation for His goodness to us. We praise Him for all that He has done. The second step that moves us closer into His presence is blessing God with all that we are. And it's an admiration of God's beauty, His character, His attributes. And I want to encourage you to take time this week to to go out into God's creation, to spend some time thinking about who He is. Take a praise walk in one of the parks here in Prague, And spend some time thinking about who God is. Uh, We shared some of his attributes last week, and maybe you can focus in on one of those, about his omniscience, perhaps. How he knows all things. He knows everything about your life. He knows what's ahead. He knows the future, because he's already there. Think about those things and praise him for them. That second step brings us into a greater realization of who God truly is And as we begin to know God as a person, we come to a greater understanding not only of His character and nature, but also of His will, of how He desires us to relate to Him, to honor Him, to obey Him. And we think about the beauty of God when we meditate on His love and we meditate how He's revealed Himself through His Word and especially through His Son, Jesus Christ, we grow closer and closer to the Lord. Well, today we will focus on blessing the Lord through a sense of awe and wonder for who He is. When's the last time you were overwhelmed with a sense of awe? Well, my prayer is is that this week, the Lord will surprise you. He will bring you to a point where you are struck by the wonder of who He is. Listen to what it says here in Psalm 103, beginning in verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That little verse is huge. Its meaning is incredibly significant. There is no other religion whose God has such a personal interest in his people. God has chosen to be our father. He loves each one of us as his special chosen child one that he loves so much he was willing to give his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, as a ransom for you and for me. That's how much God loves us. So often when we think about God, we see him as distant and oftentimes as demanding. We think about his commands and we think we never measure up. But how often do you look at him and see him as a father who intimately cares for you? The word he chooses to use here is compassion. That means that he understands us. He sees where we are. He knows what we're going through. And he longs to comfort us as a loving father. That's how God is revealing himself. Jesus himself picks up on this theme when he teaches you and I how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is his name. He's picking up on this theme from this psalm where God has identified himself as our Father. You need to let that sink into your heart and and allow it to change you. And as you do, there will be a sense of awe and wonder that God, knowing everything about you, everything about me, chose to be our Father. How incredible is that? It It gets better. Look at verse 14. For he knows our frame... He remembers that we are dust. God not only is a compassionate father, God understands and remembers our limitations. He knows how fragile we are physically, emotionally, mentally. This is why he promises that he'll be with us in each and every circumstance, that he'll see us through. He'll walk beside us. He'll give us the strength we need when we need it as we learn to trust in him and rely completely on on him. The next verses go on and and show this even more deeply. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place it knows no more. We see there in, in those verses, it's a reminder of how quickly our life passes, that our life is a vapor. But the very next verse gives us something to hold on to. Verse 17 says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. There's a contrast there. Our ability is limited. Our lifespan is short. But God's love, His the, the word in Hebrew is hesed. It's that self-giving love that we see in the New Testament, the, under the Greek word agape. That's that's what steadfast love means. It's God's hesed. His love for you and for me is from everlasting to everlasting, and so it can't fade. It can't diminish. It is, it is something we can rely on. Our world falls apart. Our lives fall apart but God's love is something that is far greater and we can place our hope on him and what he has done. So the next step in blessing God is having an awe and a wonder for who he is. And I want to encourage you to meditate on these verses as well as Psalm 29 and perhaps Job chapters 37 through 39 where we see God reveal a great deal about his power, about his character, and allow God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to reignite your heart so that you have a growing sense of awe and wonder. My prayer for each person who watches today is that you will be wonder struck. I really like that word because it's, it combines that idea of being struck by lightning with a sense of incredible awe where we're just totally blown away by who God is. I want you to think for a moment about the people in the scripture, how they encou- uh, describe their encounters with God. Abraham, it tells us in Genesis 17, 3, fell on his face in awe as God spoke to him. At the burning bush, Moses hid his face in fear and reverence because he knew he was in the very presence of God. Isaiah cried, Woe is me, for I am ruined when his eyes beheld the Lord Almighty. Ezekiel fell on his face when he saw a vision of the God Most High. Mary Magdalene, as she knelt down and washed the Lord's feet with her hair because her heart so overflowed with love for him. The Samaritan leper, the one of the ten that came back to thank Jesus, fell at his feet to worship him. The Apostle Paul, he describes his encounter with the Lord. He says that he became so enthralled by the presence of God that at one point he didn't even know if he was in his body or out of it. God's presence superseded physical sensation. Now, would you describe your encounter with God like any of those? If not, here's the first step to take. It's to believe that God wants you to have an encounter with Him. He wants you to know Him. And it really is on us to pursue Him. Because we're as close to God as we really want to be. You see, an awe for God takes us beyond ourselves. We forget about who we are and the circumstances that we have, the agendas that we are are pursuing And we are struck by the greatness and wonder of who God is, period. It's just focused on Him. So ask the Lord to capture your heart, to to grab your mind and give you a new sense of awe and wonder about who He is. The next step that we see here in this, this passage of Scripture is learning an adoration for God's person. And this portion of the song is absolutely pure worship where we see a glimpse into um, the greatest celebration ever. It is a song of adoration. And we see ourselves as being part of a great community that joins with all creation to express our deepest love for God himself. Look what it says. Psalm 103 verse 19. Here, David, as he's writing, he recognizes that all of creation, everything that God has made, will join together in worship of God. Church, we are part of an incredible choir that includes every person who's ever trusted in the Lord, who's ever placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and follows Him as Lord. We also join together with the heavenly beings, with the angels, We join in with all of creation to praise the Lord. That's why the scripture tells us let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The concert of praise that is described here is unlike anything the earth has ever seen. Because what this points to is the return of Jesus Christ where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It says that Everything under the throne of God, everything under his control, under his sovereignty, joins in in praising him. And David is saying the day is coming when all the angels, when all people, when all of creation will join together and worship Jesus Christ as he is crowned King of Kings. What David is telling you and I to do right now is to practice You see, when we come to the Lord and and when we worship Him, when we bless Him, we are rehearsing for that great celebration. We are participating in it right now. We're celebrating the Lord for what He has done. And that's the relationship He desires us to have with Him. Now, I want to try to paint a, a, a mental picture for us of what that will be like Because I think when we see a glimpse of the wonder, it'll stir up within us a hunger to pursue the Lord more intentionally, to want to know Him more than anything else. Now, I'm gonna share this in speculation, it's my imagination, we don't know exactly what it's like, but what I firmly believe is that this celebration will exceed the farthest reaches of our imagination. So what I'm going to describe probably won't be accurate. But what the reality will be, will be so much more. But at least as I meditate on the scripture, here are the things that come to mind. This coronation of Jesus Christ, it will be filled with more color than the grandest sunrise. It will have more music than the greatest symphony ever assembled. For all the instruments and all the voices of all of creation will harmoniously sing of the greatness of God together. The psalmist tells us that the seas will sing to the Lord, that the rivers will clap their hands, that the mountains will bow down and praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And and then with that chorus happening, every tongue of every human being in every language that has ever been spoken will in concert proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Think about that. Think about what that will be like to hear people in all of the different languages of the earth proclaim that Jesus is Lord. The Hebrews will be proclaiming Yeshua Adonai. The Czechs will be saying, Jesus Yepan. The Spanish will proclaim, Jesus es Señor. The Germans will say, Jesus ist Herr. The Indonesians will profess, Puji, Jesus, Tuhan. And on and on in every language we can imagine. And they'll come together to praise the Lord. And I believe it'll be a lot like it was at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit enabled men and women to understand and to hear foreign languages. I believe we will all understand what is being said. But it's not just humans. It says that all of creation, everything under God's throne, will join in celebrating the coronation of Jesus Christ. This means that the elephants will be taking their majestic trunks and trumpeting that Jesus is Lord. In the ocean deeps, whales will be speaking in ways that permeate the deeps with praise of Jesus the eagles, and the falcons, and every other winged creature will soar with their wings spread in exaltation of the glory of God. Every creature will join in. Sounds that we have never heard before will be blended with our own voices into a concert of praise in perfect pitch and rhythm. I mean, can you imagine The horses running before the throne of the Lord, allowing their magnificent beauty and strength to bring praise to their God and King. The nectar of all of God's incredible flowers will scent the air in a rainbow of fragrances. The angels will herald the exaltation of Jesus. Beneath the throne will be the martyrs, those who have given their life because of their faith in Christ Jesus, praising His greatness. The rivers of the earth will provide a rhythm section. The waves of the ocean will resound with praise. A cacophony of sounds and voices and smells and images as all creation joins together to proclaim Jesus is King. But here's the thing. With all that happening, we're not going to pay any attention to what's going on around us. And here's why is because our hearts and our minds and our spirits everything that we are will be zeroed in transfixed at the radiant splendor of jesus christ himself isn't that amazing that is what god is inviting us to enter into now in learning to bless him it is a rehearsal time for us church to grow in learning how to bless the Lord, learning how to worship Him with all that we are. I hope that becomes a desire in your heart. So how do we do that? How do we bless God? How do we enter into a state of adoration where we love God as a person? Well, I'm going to give you a, a couple other passages of Scripture to meditate on. One of them is Psalm 63, and the other is Revelation 5. Revelation 5 gives us a glimpse into the throne of Jesus Christ and it'll help us see him more accurately. And there we, we, we learn more and more about what praise is. But let me give you one other piece that I hope will be very practical. Psalm ninety-one fourteen says this, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, I will protect him because he knows my name. Knowing God's name is a place where we can begin to grow in intimacy with Him. Remember how the psalm started out. It said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Adoration for God can be expressed by using the names that God has revealed of Himself in the scripture to tell us who He is and what He is like. Because the understanding in the scripture is that the name represents all that can be known of a person. The name represents that person being present. And so God has chosen to reveal himself through the names that he has written into the scripture to help us understand who he is and to learn to adore him and worship him and bless him. So today we're going to finish with examining some of the names of God And I pray that as you get to know them, as you meditate on them, you will grow in your sense of love and adoration for the Lord. The first name that we see in the scripture is the name Elohim. It's a plural form of the word El, and it means strong one. And it reveals the majesty of God. It's used especially of his sovereignty, but also of his creative work the, the mighty, and the mighty work that he did for Israel in relation to his sovereignty when he delivered them out of Egypt and led them into the promised land. You can read about this particular uh, name, Elohim, in Isaiah 54, 5, in Jeremiah 32, 7, and several other passages that I'll place on the screen. But there are some compound forms of the the name El or Elohim. One of them is El Shaddai, and it means God Almighty. And this one stresses God's loving supply and comfort. But it also focuses in on His power and might. What we see is, is, is the Almighty One standing on a mountain who is directing the affairs of humanity, but also is correcting and disciplining his children. And there's some scriptures on on the the screen that will help you understand how this is used where God is revealing himself to us. Another name is El Elyon, the Most High God. And it focuses in on God's strength, the fact that nothing for him is impossible. Another name, El Olam, means the everlasting God, And it focuses in on the fact that God does not change. His his character, His heart is inexhaustible. He is infinite and we can trust Him. The way we've seen Him deal with others in the past recorded in Scripture is the way that He'll deal with us because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, those are all forms of Elohim. The next name that I want to show you is God's personal name, and it is sacred. This is the name where we're commanded not to take it in vain. And the Hebrews would not even pronounce this name out of reverence that somehow they might mistakenly take it in vain. It's represented by four letters. It's called a tetragram, and in English, those letters would be YHWH. But it it forms a Hebrew word with four letters that you would read from, instead of left to right like we do in English, you would read from right to left. And the letters would be Yad, followed by He, followed by Wa, and He. Now because we we have those who come from a Jewish background that are part of uh, our audience, that listen and join with us, I'm not going to pronounce it either. But I'm going to give you its meaning. It means to exist or the self-existent one. And the best translation that we can give to it in English is I am. Or I am that I am. That usage reminds us that God is the only one who is self-existent. The only one who is independent. And he has revealed himself to us, showing us who he is. We see it revealed in Genesis 4.3 and in Exodus 6.3 as well. But here's the thing, that character of God being the self-existent one is huge because the fact is that shows the great gulf between you and I. We are dependent. We can never be God because we are not self-existent. We are completely dependent upon God in order to have life, in order to hold together In order to have anything, we need God. He is the self-existent one. He is the great I am. Now, there are some compound forms of I am that show us more and more of his character, of his nature. And so I want to share some of those with you. The first one is I am Yaira. And this means the Lord will provide. God is our provision. He is the one that supplies everything that we need. And the origin of this can be found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, where Isaac asks his father Abraham, he says, Lord, I see the fire, I see the altar, but where is the lamb? Where is the sacrifice? And Abraham prophetically answers, he says, I am Yairah, will provide the lamb himself. It was a prophetic pronunciation that a lamb that god himself would provide a lamb in fact he would be the lamb that ultimately would become the passover lamb jesus christ who would take away our sin who would where god would sacrifice his son for us that's all found in the name i am yaira the next name is i am nisi the lord is my banner And this focuses in on the fact that God is our rallying point. That's what a banner does when you see it displayed in an army. The the soldiers know where their commander is. They know where to go. They know what direction to go forward. The banner of the Lord is our means of victory because he is the one who fights for his people. That's who God reveals himself to be towards us. And we read about that in Exodus 17, 15. The next one is one that we have needed, especially during this season of lockdown and restrictions and with so many people becoming ill. It is, I am shalom. The Lord is peace. It's a reminder that peace is not an end of war. Peace is a person. Rest comes from God himself. Jesus is our peace. Also, I am Sabaoth. This means the Lord of hosts. It's a powerful name. It's a military figure portraying the Lord as the commander of the armies of heaven. You can read about it in 1 Samuel 1, 3 and seventeen forty-five. Another one is, I am Mekadoshem, the Lord your sanctifier. It reveals that sanctification, us being made clean, is not something that we do. It's something that God does for us. One of the most beautiful names is I am Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. We read about this in Psalm 23, verse 1, where God portrays himself as, as a shepherd who is watching over his flock, who is leading them to streams of still water so they can drink deeply, who leads them into green pastures so they can be nourished. It shows us the heart of God. I am tishkenu is the Lord our righteousness. And it's a reminder that righteousness comes not from us, but from the Lord. I am shema means the Lord is there. It's a reminder that God is with us constantly. Never will he leave us, never will he forsake us. In each one of these, we see a glimpse of who God is. It helps us to understand his character, his love for us. But the greatest name is the name Jesus. Or in Hebrew, it is Yeshua. And it means, I am saves. It's a compound form using God's personal name and salvation put together. The Lord himself is our salvation. The God of the Old Testament has revealed himself in the New Testament as Yeshua, the Lord our Savior. Jesus shares the same attributes as the name, as the great I am. And he clearly claims to be the great I am in John chapter 8, verses 56 through 59. Jesus presents himself when he is challenged by some of the Jewish leaders regarding his claim of seeing Abraham, who lived some 2,000 years earlier. Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The Jewish leaders understood exactly what Jesus was saying that he was claiming to be God. This is clearly established because at that moment, they tried to stone him to death for what they considered to be blasphemy. His name, Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord is our salvation, is the reason why Paul says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Yeshua as Lord, or Jesus as Lord, you shall be saved. And immediately after in Romans 10, 13, Paul backs up this declaration by quoting from the Old Testament, where he says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, and that is that name, that Y-H-W-H, the great I am, will be saved, in Joel 2, 32. So calling on Yeshua, or Jesus as Lord, is the same as calling on the great I am, because they are God. God. God the Father, and God the Son. Jesus is the Messiah that was foretold through all the Old Testament. The last name I want to point out before we we close today is Adonai. And like Elohim, this is a plural um, name, and it means majesty. But ultimately what it points to is ownership, because the best translation would be master. It represents the fact that you and I are under the ownership of God. That our relationship with the Lord needs to be one where He is in control. He is the authority. He is on the throne and we are not. We are to submit our lives completely to Him. In each of these names that we've studied, we can grow closer to an understanding of who God is, is, what He is like and how we are to respond to Him. Getting to know the Lord by understanding His names helps us to do exactly what we're told to do here in Psalm 103, to bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Our prayer for you this week is that you will come to know the Lord intimately. If you have questions about this, if I went too fast through some of it, feel free to send us an email and ask questions, or if you want more resources on how God has revealed himself through his names that are in the scripture and more verses that you can look up, feel free to write to us. And we would love to come alongside of you and help you learn to walk along the pathway of blessing the Lord for all that he is. God bless you and have a great day.